This session is brought to you with the help of Sundial Cannabis, the natural alternative for modern wellness. Hello and welcome to Sessions by The Herb Life. My name is Tiana, your friendly sessions facilitator, and thank you for joining us for Season 2, where we have managed to wrangle together a whole new lineup of women who have made cannabis their business. As you probably know, Sessions is a podcast by The Herb Life that aims to bring forth the conversations happening on the ground of this exciting industry. We want to generate new ideas and highlight some of the plant's greatest advocates. By bringing together a rotating roster of people with an emphasis on women and diversity, we hope to share with you the passions, the challenges, and the triumphs of those working in the cannabis space. Much like you, my job really is to sit back and enjoy the ride. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the e-newsletter at HerbLifestyle.com to stay up to date with all of our upcoming Sessions episodes. So as you know, we are now approaching the end of 2019 and will soon be entering the third decade of this millennium, if you can believe it. At this point in time, though, I think that it's a reasonable assumption that cannabis will continue to infiltrate the mainstream, embedding itself as a staple ingredient for a modern lifestyle. Yet with all the hubbub around recreational cannabis, it was its medical potential that paved the way for this dramatic shift in public opinion. Alas, there's still a lot of scepticism and confusion around medical cannabis. All too often, I hear questions like, isn't it just a placebo? Does it even really work? Are people just getting high? Which is why this episode on chronic pain management and cannabinoid therapy is a must for anyone who's ever pondered, what the hell is medical cannabis? We are very lucky this session as we have Dr. Sana Arad Ahmed hosting, a practicing clinical anesthesiologist, interventional pain and cannabinoid medicine specialist in Canada. She is the owner and operator of the medical clinic Genovis Health, which provides integrative and compassionate chronic pain management in Calgary. The successful incorporation of medical cannabis into her practice for treating issues like chronic pain, anxiety, depression, functional sleep disorders, and opioid-related issues has well-established Dr. Ahmed as an expert in the field. She's joined today by Shabana Safari, colleague and nurse at Genovis Health, who's been working with Dr. Ahmed for more than a year now. This episode, they speak on a number of topics, including how and why cannabis is a great option for chronic pain, as well as addressing that big green elephant in the room, which is when it comes to understanding medical cannabis, those working in the health sector are still rather uninformed. This leaves many patients vulnerable and open to harm caused by unchecked biases and misinformation, as well as diminished treatment options. Dr. Ahmed's clinic is one of just a few that utilize cannabinoid therapy, and she's one of just a few doctors that are specializing in this treatment modality. Interestingly, both Dr. Ahmed and Shabana entered the world of medical cannabis with biases towards the plant. Like many, there was an underlying distrust as well as a big dose of skepticism towards the concept of cannabis as a medicine. Both women reveal how it was their firsthand experience interacting with and seeing the incredible transformations of patients that really ignited their passion for the plant. A must-listen episode for all healthcare professionals. Tune in as Dr. Ahmed and Shabana speak very frankly about their experiences treating patients with cannabis. Hi, everybody. My name is Dr. Sana Ara Ahmed. I am an anesthesiologist as well as a chronic pain specialist, and I have trained and developed my special interest in cannabinoid medicine over the last five years. 
and I operate and own a new medical pain clinic called Genuvis Health, located in Calgary, Alberta. And today, I have asked one of my colleagues, uh, Shabana Safari, who is one of the nurses who has been working with me for the last year or so, uh, to join me for this podcast. So welcome, Shabana. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, taking this opportunity out of our very busy day to do this podcast. Thank you for having me here today and being able to answer some of these questions about Canvas. So uh, just a little bit of a history for our listeners. Uh, Shabana is a young lady here in Calgary who studied to become a LPN and was looking for work uh, in 2018 in the nursing field and was having a really hard time finding her exact fit. Um, when I first interviewed Shabana, she had interest in working in a hospital setting. She thought that she would be best suited working um, in that kind of environment. And I suggested to her that if she was looking to expand herself into nursing, perhaps it would be a good opportunity for her to shadow me and uh, come by my clinic, which was first operating uh, as the health boutique in Airdrie, uh, so that she could get a sense if this was what she was looking for. And with my background as an anesthesiologist, I'm, I'm very aware of what the hospital life is like. so. Figured she could ask me some questions and we could go from there. So, Shabana, when did you first start shadowing me? I can't remember exactly. When was it? It was in May 2018. And I believe that's whenever you were having the Cannabis Expo. You had a booth of your own. Oh, right. That's right. It was the Cannabis Expo time. So you came right after the Cannabis Expo. Yes. And so you basically came on when... We had, what was it, like 100 patients who signed up at the expo and we didn't know what the heck to do with them. <laughs> yes. So I can't remember exactly. What did I say to you and, and how did it all start? So we had our interview and I was really interested in learning more about cannabis because I had my own biases about cannabis. And then you gave me the opportunity to shadow some of your staff and be a part of the expo with setting up. Right. And then after the expo, I think you weren't able to actually make it that day, but you were there the Tuesday after when we had our debriefing about what had happened. And so what were you thinking? Like, I'm putting you on the spot, Siobhan. I totally know I am. But what were you thinking? Um, for myself, because I had bias of my own of seeing medical, not medical cannabis, sorry, um, cannabis used only for recreational purposes. I never really thought that it would be used for medical purposes. And then being able to shadow you for a few days and actually seeing how you treat your um, chronic pain patients with cannabis was just amazing. How you were able to improve their lives when it comes to sleep, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to their mood. I never really thought it had that impact. I've always just seen it as being able to just change your mental state and getting high, essentially. I never really thought that it had a medical benefit to patients. You know, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people think this way about cannabis in general, because scientifically, we know that THC has a, an effect on our brain. It binds to our CB1 receptors and it modifies our perception. And due to that, it can be used recreationally. Um, but my point very early on in my practice was that there was enough research to demonstrate that patients who were suffering from chronic pain from diseases like multiple sclerosis or, for instance, uh, neuropathic pain um, or even cancer, 
um, why were they getting so much of a benefit? It didn't make much sense. And so it needed to be really practiced to really understand how um, best to implement it into your practice. And not only that, um, prevent yourself from being so biased about its effects on the brain. Um, for the listeners, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my practice about using cannabis as a tool to help manage chronic pain is that chronic pain itself is a disease of the nervous system. And that concept is not very well understood by not only lay people, but the medical community at large. We use pain as a symptom of diagnosis, and we forget that even though the disease itself may have a symptom of pain, once a person has been suffering in pain for more than six months, they're now adapted into a new way of being. Their chronic pain has essentially modified their entire physiology. Their nervous system no longer functions the way it used to. They have abnormalities in the way their nerve-to-nerve conduction is. They have abnormalities in the way their muscle contractions occur. And most importantly, they end up having physiological changes that irrevocably change their brain. Their perception of pain impacts their psychological health and causes sleep deprivation, causes heightened states of hyperarousal, which can result in more anxiety. And then, of course, there's the background of the negativity associated with pain, which we can all appreciate that if you are in constant pain, um, depression is a very common cause of it. So, um, sorry, not depression being a cause of it, that's, that's incorrect. Depression becoming a symptom of the pain as well. So what Shivana was saying and, and what I've always kind of thought was that if we could help our patients based on the evidence that exists by using the science that's available, that our nervous system is comprised of an endocannabinoid system interaction. If we modulated the endocannabinoid system, would we be able to modulate the perception of pain? And that's really where I think Shivana kind of came into my practice was she was getting the firsthand witnessing of how I was modulating my patient's endocannabinoid systems with low dose THC, low dose CBD, and sometimes higher doses, depending upon what the patient required in being able to modulate it to result in improvement in quality of life. So Shivana, you were saying that you were really kind of surprised because it seemed like it was a biased space. And I have to admit, I was super biased against cannabis as well. Um, it just did not make any sense. I just figured originally, well, maybe they're just getting high and that's why they don't care about their pain anymore. But that's actually not true. And so what have you learned in the last, say, six months working with me now that you have much more of an understanding of the endocannabinoid system? What would you say is the biggest um, surprise maybe that you've had in the last six months of why cannabis works? So I feel that a lot of the patients that we have who are using medical cannabis and the reason why it's working for them, it's because it's something different in a sense as well. And it's not like pharma. Okay, fair. And there are side effects when it comes to pharma, when it comes to medical cannabis, but I feel like it's more safer to use the medical cannabis. Yeah, so I totally agree with you. I mean, I love how you've adopted my strategies about saying that medical cannabis has a more safer profile in comparison to conventional pharma. So when you're saying conventional pharma, what drugs are you talking about? Because a lot of the patients who come in with chronic pain, they usually are on gabapentin, they're on amitriptyline, they're on opioids, 
And a lot of these medications tend to have more harm than benefit. Yes, it helps them with their pain, but it causes more of the uh, side effects where they're not able to function on a daily basis because they feel so groggy or it changes their mood. Whereas with cannabis, it has multiple different benefits Right. So when it comes to cannabis, sorry, when it comes to Gabby, Gabapentin, it has the pain aspect that they're treating, but it only treats the pain aspect. Whereas when it comes to medical cannabis, I love how it can be used for mood enhancing. It can be used for anxiety management. It can also be used, sorry, it can be used for pain management as well and sleep. And it's just amazing how it's this one plant that has two components and they have so many benefits that come from it. And the side effects are not as bad. So what would you say are um, the side effects of cannabis? What have you seen predominantly in our practice? So with a lot of the patients that I've helped start uh, medical cannabis or educated them on, I've seen a lot of patients tend to have dizziness, blurred vision, or they will have um, euphoria as well. Uh, but again, euphoria could be a good thing. Yeah, right? I agree. I've always wondered, why do we say that euphoria is a side effect? That's bizarre to me. I thought that was what we wanted in life, to make people happy. <laughs> exactly. But for some people, it can really um, scare them because they're not expecting that. Yes, that's right. And it's just amazing that we can use CBD now to be able to kind of mitigate those negative side effects that can come from THC. And I thought that was amazing because I always thought cannabis itself was just THC and it had that psychoactive component. But now we have CBD, which is the non-psychoactive component. So I love how um, Shibana has brought up a point that is like one of my, um, not my pet peeves, but definitely an education point. So everyone talks about psychoactivity when it comes to the plant. And oftentimes I hear of the word non-psychoactive when being referred to CBD and putting it out there for an education. Psychoactive in medical terms means that a molecule has been able to cross over through the blood-brain barrier. And once a medication crosses the blood-brain barrier, it is then deemed to be psychoactive. The real concept here between THC and CBD in layman terms is a concept of intoxication. And so both drugs, THC and CBD, are psychoactive, but they have a different intoxication profile. THC at high doses, such as greater than, for instance, 20 milligrams, will result in elements of blurred vision, lightheadedness, forgetfulness, such as short-term memory loss, and will create something called psychomotor retardation. And the simplicity of that is time and space become altered for people as well as euphoria, as well as red eyes, as well as dry mouth. With regards to CBD, the side effects do not result in an intoxication, but some people can experience a headache, some people can experience nausea, some people can experience some sleepiness, and can also feel um, a bit agitated if they take too much. And so because this concept of intoxication is different than psychoactivity, I think it's important for our listeners to be able to um, understand that CBD is not the safest drug in the world and you can take lots of CBD and not get sick from it. I think that's a mistake. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that CBD and THC have an effect on our physiology. Uh, 
it's interesting how Shivana was mentioning that CBD mitigates the negative side effects of THC. And I have to admit, Shivana, I, I know I've taught that to you and I used to believe it myself, but the latest research is actually sharing that it doesn't mitigate the side effects of THC, but what it does is it it slows down the way we use THC in our body. So for instance, if I was to give somebody 10 milligrams of THC and my expectation is for them to have certain side effects like a fast heart rate, uh, short-term memory loss, um, a bit of agitation and anxiety because of the fast heart rate, and that they may have some slowing of time and space, I will opt to give them maybe twice as much as CBD so that that 10 milligrams of THC is functioning perhaps more like a five milligram dose. But the value is the 10 milligrams of that THC will now last longer up to potentially um, double the time if they had just taken the five milligrams. And there's not enough research to prove or disprove my theories, which is really, I think, my biggest frustration. I mean, I love practicing medical cannabis medicine, and I call it cannabinoid medicine for that reason. Um, but this industry, it, it's so stressful. How many licensed producers do you and I like? work with I think it's at least 15 I would say and there's like 145 of them Mm -hmm. and to keep up in this space and like know every single person's you know dried flower profile or not persons licensed producers rather their dried flower profile their there's their CBD contents their oils and then on worse you and I both have experienced the shortages in this industry post-legalization what do you think it's going to be happening with cannabis 2.0 starting in December. What are your thoughts about edibles and vapes? Like, do you have any thoughts about this yet? Before I answer that question, I just wanted to let the listeners know it's really great working with Dr. Ahmed because every single day you learn something new. <laughs> and right now I just learned more about how CBD doesn't just mitigate, but sometimes it can Extend. Like ex- extend the effect, and that's pretty amazing. Like I didn't know that, and thank you for teaching me that today. <laughs> but every single day, there's something new to learn, and that's what inspires me because I come to work and I know I'm going to learn something new. That's amazing. Thanks, Shabana. <laughs> um, now going back to your question that you asked about how we're going to have cannabis 2.0, and we're going to have edibles coming in, we're going to have vaping coming in. I find that it's gonna it's good in a sense that we're gonna be having vapes because we don't wanna be having our patients smoking. Joints. Yes, I agree. And you know, it's such a hot topic because if you look down to the US right now, the vaping industry when it comes to nicotine and e-cigarettes is totally going through a revamp. If I remember correctly, like they just had a big rally actually in Washington DC this past weekend where all of the industry in regards to e-cig vaping was basically protesting that they don't pass a bill um, banning vaping products. Um, And so I find it really interesting because unfortunately, the reason why all of this happened is because some very ill-intentioned and frankly speaking, stupid individuals um, decided to make THC cartridges that were with vitamin E oil as a cutting agent rather than propylene glycol or PEG or glycerin, which is predominantly used in the the e-cigarette industry. And when you inhale oil like vitamin E, 
which we know is a really potent antioxidant and should not be in our lungs, you are going to create a really big inflammatory response. And so a few individuals have basically ruined the reputation for cannabis cartridges. And I feel like it only takes a couple people it only to do takes, that. It, I know. And yet we're having 2.0 come out in December now. And all these LPs are like, Dr. Ahmed, we've got our vape cartridges coming out. We have this coming out. And I'm basically looking at them. I'm like, hey, I'm progressive. I believe that, you know, inhaling cannabis in its concentrated form is of value, especially to chronic pain patients, because it's cost effective than, rather than you know, using a whole bunch of dried flour that is being consumed quickly. But the fact of the matter remains is that I'm, you and I are part of like the elite group of educated individuals. The masses have no idea. And the people who are against cannabis, they're all going to be like, what? This is going to be like United States (laughs) (laughs) 2.0. And actually, you know, the fact is, what is the research on vapes? There is no research on vapes. You know, I want to put it out there. Anybody interested in researching vape cartridges, reach out to me. I've developed my own um, research institute. It's called the Ahmed Institute for Pain and Cannabinoid Research. And I want to do a vape study. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But frankly speaking, as an individual who has tried her hardest to stay unbiased and not be involved with industry and keep myself out of it so that I could criticize them. And I could also be um, an individual who could continuously advocate for my patients. With 2.0 coming out, I think it's really important that physicians get involved and we pay attention to the trends. I mean, I mean, Shabana, yeah, you and I are pro-cannabis. I'll put it out there. We've seen its benefits when it comes to pain, anxiety, depression, and sleep. Uh, We know it's made an improvement in our patients. But I don't know if you feel like this, but I'm kind of scared of people using 50% concentrated THC and not knowing how to manage that. I feel it is really scary to know that there might be these concentrates are going to be coming out and they might not have the guidance of these physicians or these specialists who know more. Well, I think the fact of the matter remains, my colleagues in medicine don't believe that this works, or even if they do believe it. They're so behind in just the general knowledge of what cannabis is that they just leave it. They just go, well, it's now, you know, legal. You can go to a dispensary. You can just go buy it and, you know, use it. But what are your thoughts about that? I feel that the physicians right now, they need to be a little open-minded because if we're going to have patients who are wanting to try medical cannabis and even use vaping or edibles, they should have some knowledge. So whenever a crisis occurs or there's some side effects that happen. What's the crisis? Well, I mean, crisis in the sense that let's say if they have to go to the hospital, like again, there isn't much research out there. Yeah. Um, But if something does occur, Hopefully they'll be able to manage the patient because then they're just going to be, what's the word? Um, so are you saying like a crisis in the sense the patient overused the cannabis yes. and that's what's taking them to the hospital? Yes. So that is happening. So I, I spoke at the Pharmacy Association on the end of September here in Alberta and one of my colleagues, an eMERGE physician, um, presented on the rates of admission to the emergency room when it comes to cannabis use and the associated issues. And the number one demographic problem is that young adults, youth are using cannabis 
thinking that they know how to use it, and they're having acute anxiety or acute psychotic episodes that's bringing them into the hospital, and they have underlying mental health issues to start with, and they aren't using their proper medications, and they've chosen to use cannabis instead, and it's actually causing them more harm, and it's costing the system. Whereas the other problem that's showing up in the emergency room is something that I used to know as cyclical vomiting syndrome. And cyclical vomiting syndrome was what we called it when I was in residency in Vancouver. And it would be individuals coming into the emergency room who would have severe abdominal pain and they would be throwing up. They would be this distinct gag associated with the way they threw up. And we had to give them IV fluids. And we really didn't know how to manage them. And we would send them through all these tests, ultrasounds, CT scans, thinking they had like an obstruction or something. And eventually they would just get better and we would discharge them home. But now we have a fancy term for it. It's called cannabis hyperemesis syndrome because people are now disclosing that it's because they used a concentrate. So they used to use dried flour. And then after using dried flour, someone gave them something to dab and they had a high concentrate of THC and they've essentially overrode their chemo trigger receptor zone in their brain. And now they're having a paradoxical effect. They can't stop vomiting. And so I think it's interesting because now post-legalization, people are admitting about their cannabis use, which I think is important. But we as physicians, we had a different name for it. I wonder if we had not been biased like, you know, 10 years ago and people could openly say, oh, I just used a whole bunch of cannabis, that we would have seen those associations then. But now, really, the concern is, I agree, I don't know if the Canadian government has done enough education and has disseminated information about the risks. It's it's the industry that's basically pushing because they think they they think they know what the public wants. And the public wants an easy access to cannabis because their physicians are not available to them. And it's a really messed up system, in my opinion, that we're ready to push out a whole bunch of THC edibles and high concentrate vapes without educating the masses on the potentials of side effects and that these side effects are really real. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess you could say excited for the purposes of being able to research it, but at the same time, I'm very cautious right now on telling my patients how to use everything because if I understand correctly, there is a cap on the THC dose and 10 milligrams in a healthy person can cause side effects. In chronic pain, 10 milligrams of THC doesn't really do too much when it comes to psychoactive intoxication. Their endocannabinoid system is so depleted from their chronic pain, they need 10 milligrams of THC to function like an andamide and 2-AG on their receptors. So it makes sense to me for chronic pain patients, um, but that's a very distinct group of people. Like, uh, I know it's sad one in five Canadians suffer from chronic pain. So we've got 20% of our population that needs access to this. Um, but at the rest of us, um, I don't know. I've had my reservations about the recreational market. I've always believed anybody who was using cannabis was using it medicinally and just didn't realize it. Um, one of the other questions I had for you, Shivana, was what do you think about CBD and the form of capsules? What do you think that's done for our practice? I think it's made it more convenient. 
convenient, yes. For our patients, but because they're made as capsules and the cost of making these capsules becomes more expensive, it's not convenient for our patients anymore. <laughs> they have to go back to the oils because it's more affordable. And again, if we are starting patients on medical cannabis and they're going to need higher doses of CBD when it comes to the anti-inflammatory component, it's hard to start them on capsules because it gets too costly. On average, how much do you think our patients have to pay for a month for like a really standard low dose treatment plan, which would be maybe say 20, 30 milligrams of CBD a day and maybe two and a half to five milligrams of THC a day? And that honestly would cost around 200 to 300 to 300 just depending on what LP you go with because there are specific companies out there who are giving compassionate pricing which is great but again that's not enough yeah I agree and I think the challenge also has been and this is my pet peeve I've never understood why CBD had to be more expensive than THC when they are grown exactly the same way I've never understood that. I've toured enough LPs. I mean, the the mothers are all kept in one room. They all have their um, separate uh, clones that are created. And then they're all grown in their distinct rooms um, under their specialized lighting and their specialized environmental controls. But at the end of the day, the plant I know has distinctions when it comes to being able to grow in certain conditions. But it can't be that different that you have to charge double for CBD. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I know there are some great LPs now who have taken this into consideration are actually dropping their prices and are being much more accommodating. But again, it just proves that this is an industry directed, you know, movement to promote that they can make money for their shareholders. It's really not about the patient and it drives me crazy. I mean, what I really want to see is CBD vape pens and I want them to be 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Be affordable. So be affordable so people can use it and, and, and allow patients to be able to control their symptoms uh, in such a way that they're not feeling as if they're being taken a advantage of, but most importantly, that they're compliant with their treatment. That's the biggest issue. I think my biggest problem in the last three months of seeing how we've adapted our practice here at Genuvis Health is that we're fighting every single day to get our patients to be compliant with our treatment. And it's always been because of um, cost. And that's really disappointing. But, you know, we've got some great partners in our LPs um, that are listening to what we have to say and they take our feedback and they they try really hard to work with us and our patients. And um, I think that's really fantastic. Um, So to wrap up our conversation and um, let our listeners kind of uh, get a chance to think about some key points that we've talked about, um, what would you like to say as your kind of like final message to our listeners? I feel if you're ever thinking of starting medical cannabis, please go to a physician or go to somebody who knows about medical cannabis before you start because sometimes you are trying something new and then you're not aware of the um, side effects or the benefits that come from it and you get alarmed. But getting that guidance will really help you succeed in your treatment. 
that's really great. And, you know, I'm going to take that opportunity to put it out there. If you are looking for a physician who is specialized and knows how to prescribe medical cannabis in a sophisticated manner to care for you, please contact me. Uh, We have a new website that is just in the phases of getting developed at www.genuvishealth.com. I am accessible Canada-wide at 1-800-894-6968. I do not say no to any patients. I understand that everyone is looking for a physician who is compassionate and understanding about cannabis, and I'm willing to be that physician for anybody who requires it. Um, And I'd be happy to uh, offer my uh, opinions and my consultations uh, throughout Canada. I am practicing specifically in Alberta. So for my Alberta patients who are listening, possibly, uh, we are located in Royal Oak in Calgary, Alberta. Our formal address is 1138 12 Royal Vista Way. And once again, you can contact us at the clinic at 1-800-894-6968. Thank you so much, Shabana, for doing this with me. I had a lot of fun. It was actually really good to chat about this in a different way. And we hope to come back one day to Herb Life and do another podcast. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.